0: Welcome to Truth Unbound once again, and I am your host, Walter Swain. And here at Truth Unbound, we look to see what God's Word says as to how we should live and respond to the dilemmas and questions and doubts and events and things that are happening in life in general, in the church, in our society, in our communities, in our nation. And so one thing that was reported last week was that the last, f- the last woman accused, along with dozens of others in the year 1693, accused and convicted of being a witch during the famous blood-curdling hysteria of the Salem witch trials, has finally been exonerated, 329 years after her sentencing to death. Now, she was never executed, but that's when it occurred. Now, we're not sure she'll get the memo, but at least it makes people feel good and gives them a sense that a sense of justice has been done. Now, her name was Elizabeth Johnson Jr. Why the junior for a woman? We don't know. But anyway, she had confessed under duress that she was a witch. But by descriptions in the record at the time, it's very likely she had some mental disabilities, which didn't help in this situation. But what could have happened in the first place to cause a, an atmosphere for such a thing to happen in the history of the first city colonies in North America to happen? Already, dozens of women, and including some men, were hanged for witchcraft under condemnation as witches. Now, today's scholars for years have, have conjectured Uh, that, well, it was really a perfect storm in the history of the culture of that area in which Salem, Massachusetts was in and, and other nearby cities like them. It was just the way the period was at that moment. It was a perfect storm, that religious Puritan fanaticism defaulting to every bad thing being due to demonic causes. In addition to that, the pressures of colonial life and tensions with nearby Indian tribes personal grudges between colonists, and possibly even unknowingly ingesting, uh, many of them, a harmful fungus in their food. So all of these factors mixed together to help create the hysteria of villagers, which ended with 20 accused, in in this instance, 20 were accused, mostly women, of casting spells and thus ending their lives, mostly by hanging. And then 13 more died in prison awaiting their fate. All of it based on rumor and speculation, not true evidence. Well, the story goes that the main trials in Salem were triggered by uh, about two to three of the young girls who were found convulsing and muttering unintelligible words. And it was, they, they couldn't find a cure for them no matter what they tried. Now these girls accused three women of spells and witchcraft and from there it spiraled out of control uh, just swallowing others in the hysteria as we said before. Now in the years after it finally sub- subsided one of the judges had one of the judges had expressed guilt about being a part of it and how it was done and carried out. Well by the year 1711 their convictions were overturned and in 1957 They were all exonerated by the state of Massachusetts, all of them except for, well, except for Elizabeth Johnson Jr. Inexplicably, she was somehow left out of all these retractions. But with the help of a civics teacher and her eighth grade class and a state legislator who joined with them in their efforts, she has finally been exonerated by name. Now, This leads us to ask a question with something that has grown in great interest lately. Are witches, real real witches, are they real? Do they exist today? And what does God's Word say to us as believers about witches, witchcraft, and spiritism? Well, that's what we're going to find out right now. Well, I'm going to interrupt the podcast just briefly for a shameless plug uh, about Truth Unbound. If you want to stay up with the latest and spread the word, help to spread the word about learning what God's word says about responding and living through today's events and issues, well, I invite you to click like. Click on like, hit all notifications on YouTube. Uh, Also subscribe to our podcast, follow it, and share it with others. Okay, well, Let's get to today's extremely interesting question. In the last two to three years, it has been reported that there is an increasing growth by many involved in spiritism and witchcraft. Now, it is especially growing among young people and even more so mostly with women in the U.S. because it is perceived, they say, as empowering to women. It is a feminist thing. Well, it's this growth and interest and involvement that brought us to do this topic today. There are dozens of types of witchcraft and witches. Now, most of them, uh, their their style or type of of witchcraft is relative to if they are religious, in other words, worship a god or goddess or spirit, or non-religious, and by what type of items and methods they use. The most popular form today is called Wicca. Now, this became popular in the 1950s, and though tailored by most who adhere to this to their own set of beliefs within it, its practices generally emphasize nature and the environment, rituals, magic, and pagan worship or paganism. Now, with Ouija boards sold at stores and tarot cards and palm reading available everywhere and TV and movies—all of this together, of course, have brought it more or brought witches and witchcraft more into the mainstream, and made it more acceptable, if you will. Now that 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 acceptance is what makes it dangerous, and something the believer needs to be aware of, especially if you're a parent of of little children and of teenagers. Well, what does God say about it? Well, we find King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 3 through 25, consulting a medium or a type of witch, really, even after he himself had had mediums and witches purged from the land of Israel. Now, Saul himself uh, disobeys God, and he wants to talk to the prophet Samuel, who had already died, and the Lord had already taken home to heaven. Uh, The witch was actually a fake. And when she realized who came up literally before her with her conjuring and that it was actually Samuel, she was terrified. Now, God had brought Samuel temporarily in front of them all through this way on purpose, and he foretold his fall, or Saul's fall and death. But unlike this uh, medium or which, uh, some were then and are today very real. They're real witches, and they're a tool of and a way into the kingdom of darkness and of Satan and the demons. The believer, the short answer is that God tells us the believers to have no part with any of this, no part with the devil and the darkness and evil, especially through the occult and witchcraft. Now, God gave these commands to Israel, but they still stand for anyone who has their faith alone in God. And he tells us this in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess listened to so- soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God. Has not appointed such for you. Now that's a pretty straightforward command, and it goes for us as well. But also, God says the believer is not to be involved in witchcraft and sorcery because of the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. Therefore, we are not to dwell in and with those of darkness when we have God. The devil and God cannot dwell in the same person and in the same place. He tells us also in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 through 20. And when they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them and so l- let it be clear witchcraft occultic practices paganism spiritism all are forms of idolatry and a part of a sinful life and heart and desires all of which god says we are to have no part of he says so for instance also in the new testament in galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, again, God is very clear. He does not fail to speak to this directly with his commands and his principles in his word. The believer in Jesus Christ, the one who believes in God and follows him alone by faith, is to have no part with witches, seances, sorcery, drug induced rituals, spiritism, and those things related to all that. We must also be careful to study and research the latest fads and trends to see if there is any hint of any of this sorcery in it. Some of them will appear as harmless and simply ways to know yourself better or to function better daily. And a big example of this in recent years is the anagram. Now, the founders of this anagram, supposedly this benign personality test or system, have admitted to being involved in spiritism, the occult. One of them is involved in Sufism, which is a mystical branch off of Islam. The other has been involved in Indian mysticism and spirit guides. Yet many believers have flocked to it without any careful investigation or mindfulness at all. I will have a couple of key articles on this in the description of this podcast so you can follow up on this. But again, all of this whether it's Wicca or witchcraft or systems like the anagram, They have influences that are similar to or interwoven with new age beliefs and practices as well. The believer is to steer clear of all of them, no matter how harmless or intriguing or exciting it may be. It is deceptive and you and I need to avoid it at all costs. Also, Be aware of this. As you study what the Word says about Satan and demons and the kingdom of darkness, you you do need to be aware and knowledgeable about it all, okay? It's part of the doctrine of the Bible. It's part of the whole counsel of God. But be careful to not be lulled into the intrigue and curiosity and go deeper to such a point that you fall into this trap of Satan to draw you in and keep you buried in it. Stay in the light of Jesus, even when you study the darkness. Jesus is enough. You need nothing and no one else. You have every resource in Jesus Christ who dwells in you. Every resource is in him to live the life that he wants you and I to live and to live with joy. Well, God's instructions about this are quick and direct. There's no excuse. There's no doubting. He tells us, stay away from it and stay with me and in me. And I hope that this has helped you to understand what it's about and to follow the Lord and to stand firm in your faith. But feel free also as well to respond with questions or experiences related to this in the reply section. Don't forget, though, if you would, to click like and subscribe and share the podcast with others. And just follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you'll always, always Follow the truth.